This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon, and as usual with me in studio... My co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. How are you? Great, Wally. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. It's a little bit chilly outside. Uh, what a difference in weather. What a difference in weather. So if you're, have you, if you're going outside and you haven't headed outside, uh, I highly recommend you don't wear your shorts today. I know it's, you're wearing your Leafs toque this morning, Naz. Yes, uh, <laughs> keep even your though ears they lost warm. last night, to keep your ears warm. Yeah. Anyways, as, as uh, Gordon Lightfoot said, the uh, the gales of November have come howling. Uh, certainly, the weather's changed, but uh, Toronto, Montreal, the uh, the uh, the rivalry, hockey rivalry of the ages, the blue against the red. Um, passionate game last night. Naz, uh, uh, your thoughts. I thought both teams played well. Either team could have won the game. Uh, the Leafs can't seem to solve Carey Price, and how many how many guys can? Really? Yeah, not 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 too many. Not too many uh, other uh, NHL uh, players can solve Carey Price. So we're certainly going to talk a little bit more about the the Leafs and the Habs. But it's a good opportunity to uh, let our listeners know what's. Uh, What's coming up on the show today in the mid at uh, about 9:15 we'll be talking to Michael Trakos. Michael of course one of Canada's great hockey writers. He's a senior hockey writer for Post Media Network. You can find him in the Toronto Sun and also in the National Post across Canada. Certainly looking forward to talking to Michael again, uh, getting his insights on hockey and uh, uh, an interesting story coming out of the uh, Hall of Fame inductions this week about whether the NHL is going to the 2018 Olympics. Michael wrote a great article about that in the Post Media Network this week. In the middle of the show, Nez, Joe the Throw. Joe uh, Theismann. Joe Theismann. Uh, we'll have him back. We'll be talking, obviously, about the NFL and uh, all things football. So uh, certainly looking forward. It's going to be yeah, a the fun br- show. The Browns are going for 0-11 today against the Steelers, I think. Playing them. So it should be interesting if they go 0-16. Has there ever been an – you know, you're, net, net, yeah, you're yeah, a much yeah, better stats guy than I am. Has there ever been an wasn't NFL the team? the Lions that they were Was it the Lions one time? Yeah, they went 0-16. Yeah. 0-16. And I, I got this faint recollection perhaps there was this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team in the in the late 70s. I when think they, they went 0-14 because they played 14, 14 games you're right. back then. Yeah, it was only 14 games. With the, I don't think they won a game – uh, no. One year back in Cle- back mid late seventies. Cleveland's terrible. They're just they're terrible. terrible. Uh, anyway, so uh, we're going to talk about to Joe uh, Joe Theismann about uh, about the NFL, about the Browns, about the Redskins, and uh, perhaps some other things. And uh, Naz, there was some fantastic news I read about this morning. Um, it's got me all excited. Um, 
uh, an interesting story about uh, this gentleman, Joe Thomas Sr. He's the oldest player ever in Division I football. Uh, he, got, he got a couple of plays in yesterday for South Carolina State at the ripe old age, or the uh, ripe old age of 55. He got a, he got a couple of handoffs as a running back. So I'm so inspired this morning, Naz. I'm getting, there, I, I want to start training, and I want to see if I can uh, try out for the York Yeoman next fall. Maybe yeah. I can get a couple, or whatever they're called. I don't even think they're I, called I think, the Yeoman anymore. I think anymore. with the record they've had in the past, <laughs> we, you could still play for them, Wally, no matter about what training. But now, j- joking aside, though, isn't there an age limit? I, I, I'm, I, sure, I'm shocked. I, I just story. read about this story this morning. It's it's actually the gentleman's name is Joe Thomas Sr. He's 55 years old. Oh, good for His him. son plays in the NFL. God bless him. I mean, there's yeah. a movie here for sure. I mean, this is this <laughs> is this is, uh, this is the this is Rudy written all over it. Um, but God bless him, you know, and um, I, I wasn't I, I guess there is no age limit, uh, obviously, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know whether it, I haven't had a chance to really look into it. Whether it's uh, it's a I, don't know, I wouldn't call it a prank, but obviously there's some greater good to this story of some kind. And there was uh, what was a there was a Florida State quarterback um, about ten fifteen years ago. What was his name? Winky or Winky or something like that. Yeah, wasn't he playing in Division One football yeah, when he was, he was like 20, 20, 27, I 27 think. years yeah, old? Yeah. Chris Winky. Yeah, Chris Winky. So I, I guess there is no age limit. I guess the the only the only limit is uh, is is whether you can play or not. And I guess if you once you hit about twenty two, twenty three, uh, the the reality is if you're not if you're not you know you obviously you have a, a collegiate career of only four years. Right. So if you're, I mean, obviously this gentleman is an enrolled student, and uh, I guess that's the criteria. And you know, if you've been playing, if you if you've got, a, if you're on a scholarship at a at a Division one school in the states, and you're 17, 18 years old, and once you're 21, 22, if you haven't been drafted, I mean, I might, you know, you've fulfilled your eligibility. You can't play any longer, uh, so you can't keep playing beyond your four years. Um, so these are highly unusual situations. So, uh, God bless him. I'm looking forward That's to That's a great story. Uh, you know, it gives us, uh, gives us uh, Zoomers and us old-timers a little, uh, <laughs> little shot. In, uh, I, I'm past A little shot time. of adrenaline. Uh, so, uh, with tongue firmly in cheek, uh, uh, York Yeoman or York Lions or whatever you're called, watch out. Rigabon's coming next September. <laughs> I want to get my, uh, I want to get my one, uh, my, what, is, my, is my is one it, crack at infamy. Is it wide receiver like you? I was a flanker, Naz. I was a flanker. Okay, I had, I, I had, remember. I had good hands and uh, and and some speeds. Anyways, yeah. all kidding aside, Toronto Maple Leafs, Montreal Canadiens. I've been a critic of NHL hockey in the recent past. Uh, uh, World Cup hockey. Um, but then when you watch a Toronto-Montreal game on a Saturday night, uh, the fans are into it. Uh, there's energy in the building. It's the Bell Centre, 20, 21,000 people. Uh, there's energy in the building. Uh, there's a passion. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of Toronto Maple Leaf fans in the building wearing their, they're wearing their blue and white. Uh, the excitement generates a different brand of hockey, and, and I've said it a zillion times. That's why um, the first round of the NHL playoffs is one of the most exciting exciting times in sports. In a Toronto-Montreal game on a Saturday night when it means something, uh, because now you finally have a Toronto team 
that can compete, that's got energy, that's got passion. Man, it's fun to watch hockey when, when you see it in that element. You know, if you take a look at their scoring, they're well balanced with three lines. That Everybody is scoring or producing points. And in the NHL, they, they are the number one consistent team in the NHL up front. And on defense, they're a little, a little soft back there, but the forwards, great future for the Leafs. Well, I mean, they were, you know, and, um, you know, we all knew about Austin Matthews. You know, he's, he's the can't-miss prospect. And to all the Leaf fans out there, if you, because, you know, he got the four goals, uh, you know, which, which raised expectations to the, into the stratospheric level. Uh, and now, you know, I mean, we're back to a little bit of dose of reality. And, you know, I read some comments in certain places that they were getting nervous about Austin Matthews. Don't get nervous about Austin Matthews. Wow. This kid can play hockey. He's going to be around here a long time. He's going to be a star in this league. Let's he's he's 18, 19 years old. Let's give him a break. And you know what? He's uh you know he's he's how many points does he have? Naz 10, 12. No, he's I think he has 14. Yeah, but... and that's almost a point a game. Like yeah. what do you want? You know, like I, I hear some people actually disappointed with him. Are you kidding me? Oh, I Come sat, on. I, I sat beside somebody at the game when they were playing uh Philadelphia and they were saying, "Oh, uh, Matthews is not not that good. He's not that good. I was like, oh, my God, i got to hear these <laughs> other league like, fans. There's not something like me, but... about Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Man, give it a break. I'll, I mean... t- I'll tell you what. This is where I see him. And uh, he looks like Jonathan Taves, but bigger. And I think Babcock is bringing him along slowly because he's not killing penalties yet. But he'll eventually kill penalties on the Leafs. He's going to do everything and on the Leafs, he... this kid. And you know. he skates really well. He's good in his own end. And you notice something last night. If you look at uh, how many he took the draw 14 times, I think he won 9 out of 14. Yeah. And that's a rookie doing that, yeah. winning draws. So look at Matthews and look at Jonathan Taze, a bigger version of Jonathan Taze. And you can't get much better than that, Walt. No, you can't. You know, There's no question about that. Uh, uh, certainly so. And, uh, you know, some of the other rookies, are uh, they've stepped up. I mean, Marner's, Marner's a treat to watch. He really is. Uh, Nylander, uh, Zaitsev. Zaitsev's going to be really good. He's going to be one hell of a, one hell of a player. Uh, Connor Brown. I mean, he's taken his game to me. He looks like a, he looks like a solid NHL player. Strong out there. skater, very yeah, strong skater. Taking his game to a different level. So uh, we just got to improve the D there, and then we'll man, be okay. it's it's nice uh, it's nice having some young energy and some young passion, and it's a good time, I guess, once again to be a Leaf fan with everything that's happened in Leafland with the uh, with the great job that Shanahan did in bringing uh, Keon back and bringing and retiring the sweaters. Man, it's been a, it's a great time to be a Leaf fan. Sure it is. is. And uh, New Year's Day is coming up soon. Yeah. The classic. So uh, we'll talk about a little bit more about that and some other things uh, hockey-wise right after the break. Uh, before we go to break, I just want to make an announcement, a uh, public service announcement. Uh, November is National Cancer, uh, National Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. And... Uh, it's a scourge of a disease, and I lost a personal friend to that a couple of weeks ago, Dr. Aldo Bacha. I uh, just wanted to mention that to all our listeners out there. It is National Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. Um, give, it, uh, give it your thought. It's a, it's a great cause to support. And Aldo, you'll be missed. We'll be right back after the break. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked... 
Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams? This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A medium thin crust is just $12.99. One bite and you'll say, Liu Wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Nazawali Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM 740. And if you're listening in downtown Toronto, once again, you can tune us in on 96.7 FM. We're just waiting uh, waiting on Michael Trakos. We should have him shortly. And Naz, I received a very disturbing message during the yeah, break one from one of our listeners, Brian Flesher. Uh, Brian, um, you, you sort of burst my bubble by, uh, by uh, advising me that I'm not eligible for the CIS. I cannot play for the York Yeoman or the Lions or whatever they're called nowadays. Apparently under CIS football, a football player has only five or seven years to use their eligibility after graduating from high school. And as I'm heartbroken, I've been out of high school way more than seven years. So I can't play. So may, maybe in the U.S. I'm going to go down. Yeah, you and, have uh, to go to the U.S. I'm going to send my resume to Brian Kelly at the Fighting Irish. Maybe we can do. 
Maybe we can uh, we can get Hollywood producers to do a Wally movie on Todd and put it right next to the Rudy movie. Anyways, we're having fun with this, but we've got uh, Michael Trakos on the line. Michael is, of course, the senior hockey writer for Post Media Network. You can find him on at the Toronto Sun and also the National Post and numerous other newspapers across Canada. Michael, you're one of my favorite hockey writers, if not my favorite. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour this Sunday morning. How are you, Michael? Hey, pretty good. How you guys doing this morning? We're doing fantastic. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, want to get into a story that you wrote about uh, uh, middle of this week, and you did a great job with it. And it's a story that sort of overshadowed the Hall of Fame inductions. They got all the uh, NHL and international hockey poobahs together in Toronto, and uh, one of the one of the big topics of discussion was whether the NHL is going to participate. In the Winter Olympics in 2018 in South Korea in a city that I can't even pronounce. So, uh, first of all, help help out help me out and and help me in the pronunciation of where these Winter Olympics are going to be held, and bring us up to date in terms of what's going on as to whether the uh, NHL is going to be there. I was told there was not going to be a test on today's show. <laughs> <laughs> well, give it your best shot. It's Pyeongchang or something like that? Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. I, I imagine. Don't ask me to spell it because there actually is two spellings, uh, two ways of spelling it. One's with uh, a capital C in the middle of it and one's without it and one's with a, an E sometimes omitted. But uh, bottom line is I think when we're talking about omitting it, um, I think you can basically omit uh, NHL is from going to this Olympics. Um, more and more, the guys I talk to uh, within the league um, sounds like uh, the NHL doesn't have an appetite to go to South Korea. They don't see uh, an advantage in playing games where um, it's not going to be prime time or anything close. It's going to be early morning uh, in our time uh, when these games are happening. Um, they don't see South Korea as uh, a major jumping point in terms of um, finding a new fans. Uh, this isn't like going... Uh, to Europe, uh, where you're growing the game. This isn't even like going to China um, at the Olympics after this one, um, where you're looking at the 2022 Olympics, where you're possibly saying, okay, this is going to be the NHL um, basically putting its foot uh, foot in the sand and um, starting something there uh, in a country where you've got billions of billions of uh, possible new NHL fans. So, um you talk to the NHL, it doesn't sound like they want to go. The players definitely want to go. And I think this is going to be an interesting kind of um, discussion uh, moving forward. I think the deadline that Bill Daly told me is uh, sometime in January because they have to figure out what the schedule is going to look like, uh, the NHL schedule for 2018. And uh, it will be interesting if the NHL can skip this one and go to the next one because um, if you skip it, um, who's to say that uh, you can kind of come back afterwards? Yeah, I, I think the NHL better be careful. And, um, and and we all have to be careful um, because you're talking about a track record of going to the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, and suddenly you're making a decision that you want to skip this one and you want to come back four years later. But there's something being lost in this discussion, which is these Olympics are being held in a nation. And they're being held in the nation of South Korea. And South Korean, Korean people are very, very proud people, as are all people. And if the NHL is not careful, it's almost going to come off as they're, like they're disrespecting an entire nation. Um, 
uh, and, and you use the argument, we don't want to do this one, but we'll do the next one. That, that's a very slippery slope. And, you know, I hope, I hope the PR guys at the NHL are very careful to, uh, about what road they're going down. Because, you know, in the world that we live in today, you don't necessarily want to disrespect 100 million people. Your thoughts? No, I agree with that. And uh, very much uh, that's the argument coming from double IHF and Rene Fasal. He says you can't pick and choose which ones you go to. He's like, we've got the Korean national team has been training and working towards this, expecting that NHLers are going to be part of the process. And um, for them to, like you said, be disrespected and then four years later uh, watch the NHL return to China, uh, it's a huge slap in the face. And um, I think if you're other um, host countries for the Olympics, you've got to be kind of raising your eyebrows at that kind of move. It does kind of street, um, um, smack of just kind of um, just arrogance uh, on the NHL's part. Um, I, I think if you've got an Olympic uh, philosophy and you're saying, okay, well, there's nothing in it for the NHL from a, a revenue standpoint and we're not going to go, that's a fine philosophy to have. But to pick and choose and say, well, this one's not advantageous in terms of growing the game. and Well, we're going to sit this one out and go to the next one. And too bad. Well, it doesn't work that way in the real world. Michael, the players definitely want to go to the Olympics. Uh, I, I kind of see a conflict coming up, and it should be interesting to what happens here because you hear Ovechkin and a lot of the Russian players say they, they don't care what the NHL says. They're going to go over and play. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think the NHL is going to exploit that <laughs> that passion, and they already you're already seeing that with Gary Bettman saying, "Oh, you you desperately want to play uh, in the Olympics? Okay, you really want to go? Okay, well then sign on the dotted line. And let's extend the CBA, which is definitely in the NHL's uh, interest right now in favor, uh, and let's extend that uh, if you really want to go. So it's basically what's in it for the NHL, and um, the fact that that's being held over their head uh, again, <laughs> it raises a lot of red flags in terms of, okay, this is kind of dirty business. Uh, but this is how Gary Bettman sometimes operates. Um, there's got to be a what's-in-it-for-him kind of argument. And if the NHL players are going to hold this huge stance, uh, he's definitely trying to uh, make sure that uh, he benefits. And it will be interesting. I, I see the NHL player standpoint, like there's nothing. Like winning a gold medal at the World Cup or whatever it is, um, and winning a gold medal at the Olympics or even just participating and having that next to your name, like you're an Olympian. So that means a lot to players. It uh, means a lot to anyone who, who's fortunate enough to go to the to the Olympics. So uh, I definitely see why the players would want to go there. there there's a sense of pride. Uh, there's nothing like representing your country at an Olympics versus representing Team North America or Team Europe at the, the World Cup. It's just the, the two don't equate. It's not the same thing. So um, I think that's going to be the wild card is how um, aggressive are the players in pursuing this objective because if it's something where they are willing to sign on the dotted line and extend the CPA, then I think they're going to go. And if, if not, then it will be interesting to see if some players actually pull themselves out of the league and actually go on their own volition. Dom Fear, have you heard anything from him on this? Not yet. And I know he was kind of apprising um, – the player reps of just what 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 the scenario was like everyone met in new york last wednesday um to talk with Rene fasel and different uh um hockey organizations whether it's hockey canada usa hockey and various other uh, federations 
just about uh, where they are. Like I said, it's coming down to the 11th hour. Um, and I think he just wanted to make them all aware of just what Gary Bettman had laid out on the table and um, the risks and the like, of going to the Olympics and what it actually would mean for them as a as a union and also just kind of um, what the possibility is of skipping this one and going to the next one. So me personally, like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a huge fan of Olympic hockey unless it's held in North America. I find that when it is in Sochi or uh, Turin, um, the hockey's not the greatest. You, you get games against Latvia, you get games against lesser nations where it's really just boring hockey. One team is playing for a goal, the other team is playing for basically a one nothing win and going on all in defense. And it's just, it's, to me, it's not a, that exciting. I, well, even the World Cup, I think, has its faults, but I think I, uh, I'm a little closer to seeing best on best where it's uh, limited to six or eight nations than the, than the World Cup, uh, the, than the Olympics. Yeah, the, the, one of the chief difficulties in having uh, hockey uh, or the Olympic hockey games out in a, in a time zone like... Uh, out in Korea or China or whatever, is these games are on like in the middle of the morning. I remember the the gold medal game, and not the gold medal game, but the Canada-Czechoslovakia game from, uh, or it was, I guess it was Czech Republic by then in 1998. It was it was on like at 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. It's, it's just difficult to line up those games at a time when you when you can watch them here. Uh, and I, I guess that I guess perhaps the NHL finds that frustrating. But my assessment, Michael, and I'll let you go uh, let you comment on this, is the NHL is going to South Korea and Gary Bettman is a master negotiator. Uh, he's going to negotiate every last dime out of Rene Fassel, and apparently he's already negotiated apparently negotiated in some of his development money and He's, and there's a lot of criticism about that. And ultimately, he's using this to tr- try and negotiate something out of the Players Association, which is an extension to the collective bargaining agreement. Um, nobody negotiates like Gary Bettman, and he's got an end game. And my gut instinct tells me the NHL will be there, and it will be there on the NHL's terms. Your thoughts? Yeah, I kind of flip-flop on that. Um, I see where you're coming from. It does sound like on one end. Um, maybe Gary Bettman saying, okay, if we're going, I'm going to, like you said, squeeze every last penny out of double IHF and the players in terms of what's in it for him uh, and making sure the NHL does benefit because you go to the Olympics, the NHL doesn't benefit financially. It's something where um, no one's giving you money, a lot like uh, the World Cup where you're splitting revenues. But in the same end, I almost sense that he just doesn't have the appetite to go. I think uh, part of the reason why he's throwing all these roadblocks in is that he just doesn't want to go. Um, like I said, this isn't China. This isn't Russia. This isn't going to Vancouver um, where you're seeing some actual benefit there from places where hockey is played or where you think hockey has a huge future. Um, South Korea doesn't represent anything like that for the NHL. If anything, they're better off hosting another World Cup and uh, using the revenues from that um, benefit. So, uh, like I said, I'm kind of on the fence. Right now, I'm leaning towards, I don't think the NHL is going, and I think it's going to be a huge monumental decision. I don't know what it's going to mean for 2022, but if it goes down that route, uh, don't be surprised if if the Olympics go the route where uh, soccer is today, where it becomes more of a... Uh, an under-23 or under-21 venture, um, and, and not at the typical uh, best-on-best of the men's team. 
We've been talking to Michael Trakos. Michael Trakos, of course, senior hockey writer for the Post Media Network. And, Michael, we want to thank you once again for joining us and uh, sharing with us your expertise on a hot-button topic. And before we let you go, in, uh, in 30 seconds or less, uh, how, do you, uh, how do you think the Leafs are shaping up? Oh, well, the season was supposed to just be about the young kids. Uh, it's supposed to be just a, a development year. When you're looking at the rookie scoring, you're seeing Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and Austin Matthews at the top of the, the chart. Um, I think you have to be happy. Uh, the fact that Mike Babcock has worked in so many rookies and that these guys on a night-by-night basis are the best players on the ice, um, it bodes well for the future. Listen, Michael, uh, once again, uh, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us. Have a fantastic week. All right, thanks, guys. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. We will. Thank you so much. That, of course, was uh, Michael Trakos, uh, senior hockey writer. And uh, if you don't follow his uh, columns in the National Post or the Toronto Sun, uh, you really should. He's, he really is one of Canada's uh, finest hockey writers. You know who the youngest team to ever win the Stanley Cup was? Wally, uh, I know the answer to that question because you told me before the beginning, but I won't steal your thunder. I will let you 19, uh, inform our listeners. The 1985-86 Montreal Canadiens, average age was 24.47 years old. The Toronto Maple Leafs, average age is 25. And going so, down. <laughs> and going down. So there is hope. And that's when they had Patrick Waugh in his rookie season. You know, there's a lot of hope in, 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 in the NHL. Um, it's my theory anyways, and you can comment. And we're just going to go to break very shortly. We're going to come back with Joe Theismann. Is it's a young man's game nowadays. And these, these players that are coming up to the NHL already come with a skill set. Um, and they are well coached literally from when they're – from in from their minor hockey days, and they can fit into the NHL fairly quickly. So you know the concept of you need, you know, a team full of veterans to win. I'm not so sure that's that's true anymore. You need a good core, and that core that you need doesn't have to be in their late 20s or early 30s anymore. Uh, you can win with a core that's in their, you know, you you know you you can with with you can win with superstars that are 22, 23, 24 years old. So this this Toronto Maple Leaf team, you know, they're going to mature very very quickly. And uh, two three two three years from now, if they can fill in some holes, a couple of holes on the D, uh, a couple of role players and some in the in the third and fourth lines, and and uh, the goalie is who we think he is, uh, they could join the ranks of the upper echelon teams in the NHL very very quickly. It's in, the NHL is a different game nowadays. It sure is. It sure is. Anyways, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back after the break with football legend Joe the Throw Theisman. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville announced that you can get a three-topping party pizza with 24 slices for just $24. It's perfect for large groups on a budget, like staff meetings, sports teams, or special ops units. So before you break down any doors, get a three-topping party pizza with 24 square slices for just $24. Call Pizzaville on your cell phone at pound 3636. 
At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal? Yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And we're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour football legend, Joe Theismann. Good morning, Joe. How are you? I'm great, Walter. Hey, Naz. How are you? We're great. Thanks so much for joining us again. And uh, before we get to the NFL, Joe, um, I've got to ask uh, two, two, uh, two uh, college football questions. What happened to my beloved Irish <laughs> And can anybody beat Alabama? Uh, let me answer the first one. Uh, let me answer the second one first because it's a shorter answer. No, <laughs> I don't believe anybody can beat Alabama. I think defensively they're too good. Offensively, their quarterback has decent throwing skills but excellent running skills. And I just think that no, I don't think anybody can beat them. You know, Clemson has proven at times to be vulnerable. Ohio State didn't hasn't looked that great. I think their quarterback struggles a bit. So. Alabama, um, this year, I think, looks like it's a much better football team than it has been, you know, in the competition it'll be in in the next couple of years. And Notre Dame has just found ways to lose football games. I mean, they've lost um, seven games now, and uh, every one of them by less than eight points or a single score. So it's, um, you know, they just can't close the deal. They struggle closing the deal. They make one mistake here, one mistake there, and uh, they lose the football game. So it's just—it was a depressing day yesterday for me, to be honest with you, Walter. Uh, Joe, uh, there's a big game tonight between Washington and Green Bay. That looks to me like the big game because of the playoff impl- implications. The Skins can knock Green Bay right out of the playoffs. Uh, 
and they can uh, solidify a, a wild card spot in their division. The Skins haven't played well at home, but have been great on the road. What do you think they have to do to beat the Packers? Well, I, I don't think anybody is. I, I wouldn't say Green Bay's knocked out of the playoffs, nor would I say that the Redskins solidify a spot. I mean, you have there's a lot of football left. The Redskins have to play the Giants again. They have to play the Eagles again. They play in four days on Thanksgiving Day. They play the uh, Dallas Cowboys down in Dallas. They have the Arizona Cardinals coming up. They've got the Chicago Bears. I mean, the Redskins are, I call them a 60-minute football team. Every game that they've lost this year has boiled down to the last drive or last possession. And Green Bay just can't seem to find an offense or a defense. You know, what scares me about the Green Bay Packers is they have Aaron Rodgers. And if you have Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance to win every game. And the thing is, it's very windy here in Washington. It's going to be windy tonight and probably with a wind chill somewhere in the 20s. Fahrenheit, by the way. Okay. So it's it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a great contest. The Redskins have been playing solid football. The Packers have been schizophrenic. You don't know what you're going to get. Sometimes they look really good. Sometimes they don't. I'm hoping that the the guys that don't look good for the Packers are showing up tonight. But this this is a pivotal game to position yourself for an opportunity. But it's. I don't think it slams the door either way. And we're talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, uh, I was actually in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field last uh, last Sunday watching that great Steeler-Cowboy game. Are the Cowboys for real? Yes, they are. you got the best offensive line in football. You have two young players, two rookies, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Now, either one of them could win the MVP. I, think it's, I, I actually think Ezekiel Elliott, if Dallas continues to do what they're doing, I think Ezekiel Elliott probably would be the MVP and maybe the Rookie of the Year, or Dak Prescott could be the Rookie of the Year at this stage of the season. But, um, you know, you still have the Seattle Seahawks out there as an excellent football team. And, you know, you you never quite know what's going to happen. The Cowboys have stayed very healthy. Defensively, they continue to do exactly what they need to do, and that's get the ball to their offense. And right now they're the best team in football. I I don't doubt it. But, uh, you know, Seattle always has an advantage uh, because of their defense and the athletic skills of Russell Wilson. So, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, that, the Pittsburgh Steelers are a little bit they're, – they're the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of the AFC. Um, they, they have the talent to be able to beat anybody, but they have found ways defensively not to be able to stop people. They play the Cleveland Browns today, Pittsburgh <laughs> does, Joe. And I asked you about five, six weeks ago if Cleveland would win a game. I'm going to ask you again, will Cleveland win a game? I think my answer was no at that time <laughs> or possibly one. <laughs> but but I, I, I looked at their schedule, and, um, I mean, they, they have one player, and that's Terrell Pryor, senior, uh, as a wide receiver. Other than that, it's, a, it's an offense that struggles with their offensive line. Their quarterback is a – position is a is a carousel uh they're looking to hopefully clear robert griffin the third but robert you know will have not played all year so you don't know what you're going to get going forward it's a tough division that's a fairly tight race when you look at uh you know pittsburgh cincinnati in that division as well and and of course the ravens you know it, it, you're you know you're leading you're two-thirds of the way through the season almost and you're you know you're a six-win team and you're leading the division um, that that tells you about the tightness of that division. But I think the Browns will struggle to win a football game unless you know unless somebody beats themselves. I don't see how the Browns are going to beat them. 
One other team that used to be a marquee team, uh, certainly when I was growing up, uh, had some incredible characters uh, on their team. And, uh, Joe, you've played on some teams that had some some incredible characters, including the 71 Toronto Argonauts, which may have been the greatest collection of characters on a football team that ever existed. But the team I'm talking about is the Silver and Black. The Oakland Raiders... uh, seem to have found their game after years and years and years in, in the hinterland. Uh, where did the Raiders come from this year? Well, I, 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 they, it wasn't just this year, Walter. And yep. First of all, I have to tell you, uh, real quick, the 71 Toronto Argonauts <laughs> was more fun than I've ever had in football with Gene Mack and Billy Simons and, and Mike Eben and Charlie Bray and Jimmy Stoway. And I can name more guys from the 71 Argonaut football team than I can from any football team that I ever played on. It was my first professional experience. Of course, Leo was uh, the captain of our ship. And it was, you know, from the head coach all the way through us, it was, it was just a bunch of personalities that had a lot of fun together. We, we loved playing football. We loved hanging out with one another. Um, you know, Leo was the man that, that gave us a chance to be able to be who we wanted to be. And, and I, it was just so much fun back then playing with that team. But the Raiders, this has been building a little bit for the Raiders. Defensively, they were pretty darn good a year ago. Jack Del Rio um, has been a friend for many years and a terrific football coach. Saw the job that he did in Jacksonville. Saw the job that he did in Denver. Um, he's, you know, he understands his football team, and you can't win. I don't care what level, what league you're in or what level you're at. If you don't have a quarterback you don't stand a chance to win. And we have seen Derek Carr at different times during the course of the year just step up to the leadership role and get a win for his football team, whether it's on a fourth and one making the right kind of a throw. Amari Cooper is a special back. Um, They run the football very effectively. They've always had big offensive lines. And now you're seeing the culmination of a lot of players staying together. But there's one other thing that you have to look at in the National Football League. The teams that we talk about that are doing well, the basically, you know, the Oakland Raiders, the Denver Broncos are still hanging in there, the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit up until the last couple of weeks with Nick Dinderies, the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody's been really hit with injuries. And you're reaching that point of the year where the body starts to wear down. And this is where, you know, week, the last four weeks of the season, teams start getting players back that were hurt. Uh, But the teams that have been at the top have been pretty healthy, and that's going to be a big key for them, especially in the offensive line. Joe, Joe Theismann, uh, Joe, just a couple of minutes left, and we won't keep you much longer. There's one one question I have to ask you, because this is a headline that I've never seen in my 60 years uh, on this earth, and probably in my 56 years of watching NFL and AFL football. And this is a headline I've seen recently. Quotation marks. What's wrong with the NFL? Close quotation marks. The ratings are down significantly. Uh, what's going on? Well, I think, first of all, the political environment in the United States up until last Tuesday, and even now going forward, um, has dominated the headlines and I think people's attentions. You can't discount that. Now, it may not be a big factor, but it is a factor. I think the saturation of football everywhere. You know, we get we get Canadian football down here in the U.S. on Friday nights. 
So you've got Wednesday night college football, Thursday night Thursday night NFL football, Friday night Canadian football and college football. Saturday you've got a plethora of college football games from 11 o'clock in the morning until 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, the NFL, I think, has reached a point where the stoppage of play because of the examinations of let's go to review this, let's review every touchdown, let's, let, let's stop the game because somebody looks like they might be a little woozy, which, by the way, they haven't done a very good job of uh, checking guys out. And, and you know, they, they keep missing stuff. I think people have become disillusioned with the whole thing. You know, that, you know why do people like soccer? Because it moves. It keeps moving. I just, you know, I spent a week in London watching cricket. It moves. You can believe it. Cricket moves faster than football. Um, they, did, they just did a study. Actual playing time in an NFL football game is 10 minutes, I believe, and 46 seconds. So you've spent three hours watching a football game and you've seen action for 10 minutes. I, and there, there is no excitement in the kickoff anymore. They've taken the excitement out of that game. Um, the NFL has extra- extracted exciting parts of the game for what they believe is, is um, protection. I don't believe that I, – I, you know, I still want to see a study of how many concussions occur on kickoffs. I think if you put back the kickoff – you bring back a little more excitement to the game, people would be more interested in it. But the game is starting to get stale. It's getting stale and sterile, and that potentially could be a problem, which we're starting to see. Uh, we've been talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, we're going to let you go, but just on that last, uh, I'm going to leave you with, uh, with, a, with a statistic that you may not be aware of, and uh, I don't know if this is on the radar screens of the people at the NFL. Ratings are down in the U.S. Ratings in Canada are up significantly. Interesting statistic. Well, because you just, it's, um, you know, you have, a, you have 330 million people versus about 30 million. Yeah, Is that about right? Yeah. For, and, and, you know, I mean, um, it's, there's always been a great interest in American football uh, in, the, in, in Canada. And that's what makes this game so interesting in a North American way. You know, we could have another discussion at some point in time, Walter, about the fact that I believe that they want to move a team into London, which would be a logistical nightmare, and it wouldn't work. But, you know, we uh, we need to fix what's here here in this continent right now before we start looking anyplace else. Joe, we're going to let you go, and we're just going to say very simply, thank you so much. We always appreciate uh, you taking the time for us on on your busy Sunday mornings and uh, and, uh, sharing your insights with our listeners, many of whom still love you very much, Joe. I love the city of Toronto, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope it's a safe and blessed one for everyone. Thank you so much, Joe. Have a great day. Thank you. That, of course, was uh, Joe Theismann, and uh, some very interesting comments. I mean, uh, Joe's, uh, you know, we've always uh, enjoyed talking to Joe because he's... uh, He's articulate, he's intelligent, and uh, he's opinionated, um, and certainly some, the st- the some stop- fairly strong opinions. The stoppages in play to uh, overrule receptions yeah. and all of that. And you uh, know, there is a play. There's a play. I'm going to was- ask you to hold that yeah. thought, and I want you to come back to it, because we do want to open up the lines. Uh, we do want to talk to uh, some of our listeners this morning. If you want to call in... Uh, uh, give us a shout. We'll talk about any sport you want to talk about, anything that's on your mind, uh, and I'll read out the numbers for you. 416-360-0740, 866 
740-4740. Once again, listeners, give us a call. Put your questions on the air, 416-360-0740, 1-866-740-4740. I hope uh, you remember, I, I apologize for interrupting okay. you and... Uh, Hopefully you're able to retain that thought, and I'll uh, turn it over back to you. A play that occurred between the New Orleans Saints and the, uh, I can't remember who played, the Carolina Panthers. There was a blocked field goal, or a blocked extra point on the play, and the player from uh, New Orleans went down and scored two points on it because they block it. You can return it and get two points. The sideline play where... He looked to me like he went out of bounds, but they couldn't tell. In soccer, they have they can tell a goal when it goes past the line, right? And in hockey, you can too. Why can't they do it in the NFL? The technology is there to do that, and it would save a lot of the yeah. lot of the time. You know, Joe Joe raised uh, an interesting. I agree with Joe on that. Yeah, by the way. Um, he raised an interesting point. Not so much specifically on this specific point about review of calls, but he, and I found. I, I sort of when I was at was I, when I was at Heinz Field last uh, last um, Sunday, and when you're when you're watching a game in person, you, you you sense it much more than when you're watching it on TV. Is the amount of TV timeouts there are, and the amount of stoppages in play there are, and it, this is not a problem that is peculiar to just NFL football. It's a problem peculiar generally to all professional sports, probably other than soccer. Uh, and perhaps any, any of these sports that are on a clock where, where, you know, there's a stoppage in play, they're all going to these TV timeouts that last a minute, two minutes, three minutes, and they're just overwhelming um, the momentum and the flow of the game. And I found it with hockey it happens in hockey too. They oh, it's probably team. worse in yeah, hockey. They the, 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 it, uh, it's probably worse in hockey, and um, and 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 the NFL is being criticized for it now because they're trying to squeeze, and you know they they've you know the the, the rights to pay um, all the networks what they pay the NFL every year now. I I, I think that the number is astronomical. I think it's like five billion dollars, yeah. uh, and the numbers have increased massively. In the last 10, 15 years. So the NFL's got to squeeze every last dime uh, out of their, um, you know, out of their advertising. And and it really is impacting the flow of the game. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let, let, let's, you know, when I, when, I, when I say what's wrong with the NFL, I mean, I'll, you know, okay, fine. The NFL's still heads and shoulders above every other professional league in the world. You know, maybe maybe Champions League soccer or some of the high elite soccer teams in in Europe, but uh, you know, there's no, there's never going to be any tag days for the NFL. I mean, let's be clear, uh, it's a money making machine, and the Super Bowl is one of the great events in the world. Uh, but it there it, just at the edges of it, uh, people are starting to complain. And we've got some calls. I want to take a call. It was the Saints and Broncos, by the way. That game. Yeah. Just I want to take correct. a call from uh, D. General. D. General, how are you this morning? Good, good. How are you guys? Uh, it's been a long time. Your shows have been great. You've had a lot of great guests, uh, especially going back to Davey Keon and uh, stuff that's going on with the Leafs. Tough to get on the uh, the show now. It's It's been busy, but uh, nice to hear your voices and everything is good. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, 
the draft age. Uh, Don Cherry brought it up last night on the uh, coach's corner a little bit, but uh, an issue that uh, I think uh, people have been talking about in the last little while. Is it just me or is, it, is, the, is the hockey not as good as it used to be? Um, a lot of young players, a lot of inexperienced guys out there. Maybe we should bring that uh, that draft age back to 19 and uh, okay. leave, leave these guys down in the American Hockey League for a while. Mr. General, I'll uh, thank you for the call. I'll turn it over to my sidekick, Naz. Uh, Naz, uh, 18 years old is too young to be playing in the NHL for most of the kids. There's the odd exception, but the 18-year-olds is uh, still too young to play in the NHL. Yeah, I... I I guess it is, but uh, the how do you restrict it? They're legal adults. They're, they can they can go to war and die for their country, but they can't play in the NHL. You explain that one to me. No, you can't. I, I, I I've I've always had a difficult, I've had I've always had a difficult concept with the argument that an 18 year old can't drink. Uh, although I do understand the scourge of drinking and driving. But if we're going to send our young men and women and we think that they're old enough and mature enough to go off and die for our country, then they can't play a game? I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, That's I, why I think, it I think it's incumbent upon intelligent, advanced, mature general managers to groom their players properly and make the decision whether they're ready to play in the NHL or not. And you know some of them need time in the in the in the AHL, and they got to look at that rule. They got to look at that rule. Naz, I, I want to go to, and this is a topic we got to con- continue to discuss because we haven't explored it in the depth that we need to. So certainly we'll bring this topic back for discussion. D General, thank you so much for bringing it to our attention. But uh, another regular listeners on the phone, we'd love to chat with them for uh, for a couple of minutes we have left. Kevin from Buffalo. Kevin, good morning. How are you, gentlemen? Good morning, and once again, outstanding shows each and every week. It's an outstanding program, and wanted to just quickly bring up two topics. Today is CFL Playoff Day, and great opening how we are comparing CFL and NFL football. Watching week-to-week the NFL, I've noticed for years flags, slowing down of games. CFL football, it always has been wide open. Back to the Ottawa Rough Riders, Tony Gabriel days. And I think that's the big big question mark, why the NFL has just slowed down so much. The CFL, it's enjoyable. They score points. They move the ball along. And I think... The NFL, it's been their own fault because you can't run five yards the flag. Ke- Kevin, I'm going to have to uh, listen. Thanks so much. It's great to hear your voice again. And uh, unfortunately, I've got to move it along because I do want Naz to comment on uh, on your comment. We only got a minute left. So unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to cut it a bit short. And uh, thanks for your call. And uh, by all means, we'll try and open up a little bit earlier next week and take calls a little bit yeah, earlier. Yeah, the, the NFL is a bigger ticket. In, in Toronto, it's very difficult uh, to attract fans with, with the Argos. The NFL is number one. And now, as we got 20 seconds left, uh, you made the comment. Uh, it's the, what is it, the Eastern Final today? What's going on? The Eastern Final. And who's in the Eastern Final? Edmonton and uh, Ottawa. Doesn't make sense, does it? 
Edmonton and Ottawa. Edmonton and, and Calgary could be playing in the Grey Cup. Could be playing in the Grey Cup, and that says That's, it all. It doesn't say two Eastern teams, yeah. one Eastern team. Somehow we have to get an East. Somehow we, somehow we got to get a Grey Cup with an Eastern team and a Western team. That's the history of this nation, East against West in the Grey Cup. Somehow we got to get back to that. Anyways, uh, it's time to wrap for another week of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, we've had fun this week. Uh, we wish our, all our listeners a fantastic week. And uh, we'll be back again next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.